Without further ado, let me bring out Pastor Mike from Nations Church. He has been our uh, special guest speaker. So if you would, give a round of applause and welcome him to the stage. Thank you very much. Love you, brother. Have a good one. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Man, brand new season of life for your brand new pastor and his wife, Julie. I'm so sorry that you get me today. But man, God's faithful to bring this family to this church. And I just want to give God a word of praise for being faithful and bringing this amazing family and three daughters to Harrison Faith. And so welcome, congratulations, the best is yet to come. And so grateful. And again, you moved in yesterday, you get to hear me today. So whatever I mess up, you can clean up next week. As Pastor Scott said, man, you pastors rock here. They did an amazing job. Wasn't worship fantastic this morning as well? Did you notice how many of the guys on the platform had beards? <laughs> it's like a beard band. It was amazing. Anointed worship. It's been great to be back with these students. Students, I love you. Thanks for putting up with me again to be your guest speaker over the weekend. And as Pastor said, thank you all you leaders that made this weekend what it is. And so it's good to be back. Again, if you don't know me, my name is Mike. I'm all the way from Athens, Georgia, where this past year we won the national championship in football. Now, I don't know if that's important to you or not, but if you live in a college town like I do, it's pretty important. It's been 41 years since we won the national championship, and we won. We won the World Series and the national championship all in the same year because God is moving in Georgia. And he's merciful. So it's been a good year of athletics. It's also been a good year of ministry. It's been challenging. It's been trying. And I just want to take just a moment and share with you a little bit of my heart about where I've been on my journey, even since the last time that I was here, that I've been a pastor for six years, and I didn't realize when I became a senior pastor just how heavy it was. In fact, I'll never forget taking the place of Pastor Mel there in Athens, Georgia, and he and I are completely different. He is proper. He looks like a senator. He never says anything inappropriate. And then here I come. And I'll never forget, he was kind of more of a serious breed. And one of my spiritual gifts is sarcasm. Somebody say amen. amen. We still have a list around my church of things that Pastor Mike says that Pastor Mel would never say. And I'll never forget him walking in as we were transitioning, walking into my office, and he was just floating on cloud nine, had a giggle about him and a smile about him, and, a, and I'm like, what in the world got into you? And he said, it lifted. And I said, what lifted? He said, just the mantle of being a pastor for 19 years. And what was odd is that in my quiet time that morning, I felt that mantle come upon my back. And so he walks in floating, and I'm sitting there going, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Like coming off the road as an evangelist, I get to blow in, blow up, and blow out. But now that mantle of pastoral leadership is on my back, and it began to cultivate within me a heart and a desire to be a real friend to a pastor and his wife, to be an encouragement. Three years into my pastoring, I really hit a severe wall of anxiety and Depression, is it okay if I be real with you today? Battling just some burnout, not realizing how heavy it was. And the Lord has also gifted me with some ability to create resources. And the Lord just kind of put it all together last year in that the resources that we develop are going to go toward the platform of partnering with pastors to make sure that emotionally and physically that they are healthy. And not only them, but their children. It's a hard day to be a pastor. And if you just want to know how hard 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month in America, 50% of pastors' marriages end in divorce, 70% of pastors continually battle depression, 80% of pastors and 85% of their spouses feel discouraged in their roles. This is real encouraging, isn't it? 95% of pastors do not regularly pray with their spouse. 70% of pastors do not have a close friend, a confidant, or a mentor. 80% of pastors spend under 15 minutes a day. Barna came out last year and said that the average Christian prays less than one minute a day, and the average pastor prays less than five minutes a day because of being so tired. 70% of pastors only study God's Word when preparing a message. Nearly 40% of pastors have had an extramarital affair. 80% of pastors' wives feel like they're 
their husbands are overworked. 80% of adult children and pastors sought professional help for depression. Should I just keep going? It's pretty heavy. And so last year, we started raising funds to help partner with pastors who needed mental and emotional care. The Lord helped us and enabled us to raise funds to where this year we are able to pay for a pastor to go to counseling every single week if he needs it. And so we've written a resource, and this resource has nothing to do with pastoral health. It's a discipleship resource for you that's based on four key qualities of a disciple. There's a video series that comes along with it, connecting with God, offering him everything, releasing your ministry, engaging in missions and outreach. There's a personality profile in it, a spiritual gift profile. There's a Bible study reading plan all the way through it. We use it as a newcomer's tool in our church. We use it as a discipleship resource. I've only got eight or ten of them. But for $20, you get the book, and then you also get access to the video series. And all those funds goes to help pastors. And so there's eight or ten of them on the, and here's the deal. I don't mind talking about money when I know it's not coming to me. So if you feel inclined to bless that ministry that we have just started, pick up a copy of that book. You ready to get in God's word? I don't know how long your pastor, new pastor, preaches for. I always try to model however long-winded or short-winded he is. Julie, is he a 30-minute guy? I also have a gift of interpretation, and what she's saying is he's about a 45-minute guy. <laughs> so I feel the freedom this morning. Tile the message is simply this, moving on a maybe. It's one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. It's a story, 1 Samuel chapter 14. It says this, now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass of Michmash. What had happened was is that the Philistines were the arch enemy of the Israelites in the Old Testament. The Israelites were God's people, and the Philistines were their enemy. And in this particular season, the Philistines had the upper hand against God's people. They had stripped them of all military weapons, and they were frozen as a result King Saul, who led the charge over Israel, was frozen up underneath a tree. And in this story, the situation is dire. And there was a man of God named Jonathan who stepped up and said, what is taking place in our world and what is taking place in the camp of Israel should not happen. And I want to read the story to you today. It says, one day, everybody say one day. Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah, up underneath the pomegranate tree in Migran. With him were about 600 men. How many people were with Saul? How many people were with Saul? Teenagers, how many people were with Saul? What did I preach on night one? Tell me one of the names in the Old Testament uh, of a name that we talked about. Tell me one. Where am I at? With him were about 600 men. Among him was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahiatub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest. And in Shiloh, no one was aware that Jonathan left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other south toward Geba. In other words, this was going to be a difficult journey. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf, or as it says in other translations, it may be that God acts on our behalf. Maybe. If I'm the young armor bearer, I'm going like, wait a minute, Jonathan, wait a minute. Like, this is our life on the line here. I need a little bit more than a maybe. I need a prophetic word. I need a confirmation. Somebody needs to put a book in my hand. I need to listen to an old-fashioned CD and get stirred up about this. And all Jonathan had was a perhaps or a maybe. It may be. <laughs> it may be that God does something on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. 
Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. The Bible tells us that this armor bearer was young, and I believe it was for a reason, and that is because when a young person gets on fire for Jesus, they're willing to step out in radical faith and radical obedience. And Jonathan needed a young armor bearer who wasn't all religious yet and didn't have all the facade, didn't have it all together, but just had the fire of God breathing in them and was convinced that God could be faithful, and they just followed along. Let me tell you something, young people. You need the presence of God in your life, and not just you, but the leaders around you need you to step up and be an armor bearer to them. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. Now get this. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. How many of you believe that sometimes faith feels backwards? Listen to this story. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that would be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. In other words, if the enemy who could take us out says, come up close, that means we got them. But if they say, you better stay put, then we better stay put. It was a little bit backwards because sometimes faith feels a little bit backwards. Don't you love the word of God? So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. And as a result, things shifted. You ever been in a season before where it's been a tight place and you need something to shift in your life? That's what happened. Because they were willing to move on a maybe. Can we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your word. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's already in the house. And Lord, I just believe that today is going to be a day of deliverance and freedom. Lord, that we're going to move. I believe that today is a pivotal day in the life of this church. God has... Pastor Scott and Julie are here, and Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to communicate your word clearly in the name of Jesus. And everybody say, amen. amen. Saul, how many men were up underneath a tree? 600 of them were up underneath a tree, and Jonathan and a young armor bearer were there around Saul and 600 men and said, we are not on the same page. How many of you have ever been in a season before where you're not on the same page with your spouse or especially with your teenager? I'll never forget when Hannah Grace, my daughter, I've got three kids. Jake is 18, Josh is 17, 14 months apart, one planned by us, the other one planned by God. You know what I'm talking about? And then I got Hannah Grace, and she's 15 years old now, but I'll never forget taking her out on daddy-daughter dates. I still do it to this day because I'm praying and believing that if I date my daughter now, she won't date trash later on. <laughs> so even when she was young, we used to go to Cracker Barrel. That was her favorite place. And I'll never forget sitting down there with Hannah Grace, and it was like this moment. You know what I'm talking about now. It was a moment between me and my daughter we had just moved to Athens. We taught her all the cheers of the University of Georgia Bulldogs. And we are there engaged. And I'm telling my daughter all the things that good dads are supposed to tell their daughter. Like, you are beautiful. You're the apple of my eye. You're not going to date until you're 62 years old. I was telling her all the things that good daddies are supposed to say. And we are locked in this moment together. And so I reached my hand across the table. She reached back. And the moment that she reached back, she said, Go dog, sick em. <laughs> It was a cheer of the University of Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm like, that's sweet, but that is not the page that I'm on. <laughs> Code completely different wavelengths. You ever felt that way as you look in the eyes of some of your young people? <laughs> it's not the same page. And here's the reality. How many men were up underneath the tree? 600 
Jonathan was there, the young armor bearer, and said, this is not okay for the people of God to be frozen. It is not okay for the people of God to be stripped of their weapons. It's not okay for us to be ravaged by the enemy. We are not all on the same page. And can I go ahead and put it before you, church, that in this season, in this time, we cannot be frozen up underneath a tree, allowing the enemy of our soul to wreak havoc in our marriages, to wreak havoc in our life, and to wreak havoc in this generation. We have got to make a decision that we're going to break away from the status quo and we're going to break away from the dysfunction and we're going to break away from those that are frozen in fear and we're going to set out, even if all we have is a maybe and a perhaps, we know that this is not God's will. It is not God's will for us to live in a spirit of fear. It is not God's will for us to live in a spirit of despair. Even in my own life, in my own journey, even as I go to counseling every other week, I am realizing more and more, it is not God's will that we be frozen in fear, in oppression, anxiety, whatever it may be. This was not God's will. And so Jonathan and young armor bearer make a decision. They're going to step out. They don't necessarily know all the game plan. They just step out in faith and they say, it may be, it may be. If we step out, perhaps God will do something. Let me tell you the characteristics of those that move on a maybe, who break away from the tree. Number one, they determine that one day must be today. The Bible is very clear that there they were up underneath a tree in one day, one of my new resources, I'm writing a devotion that every time there's a, a, a one-day experience in the Bible, you'll notice as you read the Bible through, one day this happened, one day Jesus did this, one day this opportunity came about, one day, and this was one of those one days, where they looked around and said, this is not God's will for us. And one day became today. How many of you, like me, you are a master. Okay, that's a little strong. You're really good at procrastination. You know the old joke? I mean, it's, it's March already. I, I set out this year that I was going to get back into the gym and lose a little bit of weight. My wife is like, when are you going to go? When are you going to go? When are you going to go? I'm like, when I get around to it, when I get around to it, when I get around to it, guess what? You wait long enough, you're going to get around to it. You know what I'm saying? Like at some point, one day must become today and right now. Now let me ask you another question. How many of you not only can procrastinate the way I can, but you also are a creature of habit? For example, you sit in the same seat or nearly in the same seat every single Sunday in church. Raise your hand. Don't lie. You are in the house of God. Some of us are like, that's my pew. My name's on that pew. So, okay. So, listen. Think about it. We are creatures of procrastination, and we also like comfort at the same time. Can you see how that might jeopardize our ability to be moving in faith? And at some point, one day must become today. One day, you have to look at the tree that you're hiding under and say, enough is enough. Let me put it to you this way, and your pastor can clean it up next week. But I'm going to tell you from my own experience, my theology on freedom is this. The people who get set free are the people who want to get set free and make a decision that one day is today. I'm breaking away from this. It's not worth it any longer. This is not what God has called me to. I'm created for more than this and we come to our senses by the Holy Spirit and we say wait just a moment we are the people of God and God has not called us to be frozen up underneath a tree and so one day is going to become today and right now let me say to you also, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. Stop allowing the devil to talk you out of what the Lord is trying to lead you into and make a decision that today is your day to cross over from death to life. Today is a day for you to become born again, a child of God. Today is a day of salvation. Everybody say today. So I don't know what you've been procrastinating on, but I'm just going to say to you, those who move on a maybe are those who determine one day is right now. Number two, look at it. They don't tell their daddy. 
People that move on a maybe. Now listen to me, young people. I'm not endorsing disobedience. But you got to understand, Jonathan made a decision to not tell his father. Why? Because you have to understand who Saul was. You turn the pages of the Bible backwards a little bit. When Saul is introduced into the scene of Scripture, the Bible is very clear, listen to me, that it was Saul who is hidden amongst the baggage. You know what? I know a lot of people that hide in the midst of their baggage. And Saul, I don't know, Jonathan, I think, looked and said basically this, I'm going to break away from my father in the family tree that they're living under. How many of you have a family tree? You know what I'm talking about. I told the teenagers this week, I grew up in a dysfunctional home, an alcoholic mom. My mom had tried to commit suicide three times. We went to family therapy every single week for 10 years. And I'll never forget a professional counselor, listen to me, putting her hands in my hand and saying, Mike, I bet you by the time you're 25 years old, you're going to be a full-blown alcoholic because your mom drinks, your dad drinks, your grandpa drinks, your grandma drinks on both sides. You come from a long line of alcoholic families, and I'm just telling you now, I'm just warning you, I'm just preparing you. This was an actual session with my counselor. I bet by the time you're 25 years old, you're going to be a full-blown alcoholic because you have a genetic disposition to it. It's in your family she just didn't realize that at 17 years old I would give my life to Jesus Christ and the Bible says that we transfer from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and now it's the blood of Jesus that runs through my veins and I'm no longer bound to this tree stop asking your past for permission to move forward into your destiny it's time to break away from that family tree and I'm not going to tell daddy Saul just made a decision to stay frozen. And Jonathan, the son, said, that is not going to be what I'm known for for the rest of my life. Did you hear that? It's not what I'm going to be known for for the rest of my life. Number three, people that move on a maybe, they choose one over 601 any day. Who who did he set out with? Jonathan, I mean, a a teenager. (laughs) A young armor bear, 600 men who were supposed to be doing something. These were leaders, by the way. These are people who are supposed to have the wisdom of God. These are the people who are supposed to do something about it. Yet they stayed frozen. But Jonathan just grabbed a teenager and said, let's go. And he chose one. How many of you have ever heard the expression, there's safety in numbers? Raise your hand. It's true. Let me go ahead and tell you also. There's a lot of complacency in numbers as well. And let me just say it to you another way. Misery does love company. And the truth is, it is a lot easier to be a part of a crowd that really doesn't want to move forward than it does to be with the one person in your life that's willing to move on a maybe and to do something about the enemy that is wreaking havoc in God's camp. I would rather have one person in my life that has my back, that has my back. Did you hear what I just said, young people? That has my back. I'd rather have one who's willing to lock arms with me in faith than 600 who are going to live in a spirit of unbelief and doubt. Let me tell you what your new pastor needs. They need armor bearers in this season. They need individuals who are going to come up behind them and say, Pastor, we have your back. We're going to speak well of you and your children. We're going to love you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to embrace your children as our own. If we have a problem, we're not going to talk about you. No, 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 no. We're going to come to you. Armor bearers who say it's not the pastor's job to do everything. That'd be a good place to say amen. Armor bearers, servants, people who will come alongside the pastoral staff and say, it's not their church, it is our church. How many of you believe the best is yet to come for Harrison Faith? How many of you believe that there is a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit that is blowing for such a time as this and there is a new season And there cannot be this mentality of, well, good luck, Pastor. We'll see you next Sunday. Oh, no, 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 no. We are locking arms together, and we're going to serve in ministry. Some of us need to get unfrozen. You haven't served in a long time. I heard over the weekend that there are 17 babies, 17, 17, one, seven babies in the nursery last week alone. They need help. 
Well, I don't like kids. I'm not asking you to take them home. I'm asking you to serve once a month. (laughs) You got to celebrate recovery that is has started and is underway. We just started one in Athens. I did not realize how big of a ministry it is. It's like pioneering a church within a church. They need help on Thursday nights. Seeing people get set free and get delivered and healed and made whole. We need small group leaders. Why? You are the church. That's why we tell young people, it's not youth ministry, it's youth in ministry. That his job and Morgan's job, Caleb's job, is to raise them up in their destiny and their purpose that they will serve in ministry. Do you know that the statistics change when you engage a student in serving actively in ministry, that they are 88% more likely to stick with Jesus after they graduate from high school if they serve. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And guess what? You're a part of that body as well. It's time to get unstuck. It's time to get unfrozen. And it's time to do something for the kingdom of God and move on a maybe. You say, well, I don't know what my gifts are. Well, discover them. (laughs) I don't know what God has for me in this new season. Well, let's pray about it. Can you imagine what it looks like? And I'm going to tell you that this church, I believe in the destiny that it has. It needs about 70% of people who are actively engaged in serving in ministry in some way in order to build a structure and a foundation for the growth that I believe God is wanting to bring you. What are you doing in the local church? It's time to get unstuck. We've leaned on the era of COVID, I mean caution, for And I get it. We still have to be wise. But there's a season now, church, where it's time to get going. It's time to move. It's time to move. I choose one who believe any day over 600 who don't believe. How about you? Number four, people that move on a maybe, they come out of the holes that they've been hiding in. I love this. I, I need a teenager. Come here, somebody. Some, some teenage boy. Come here. I don't know what y'all feed people here. And it's another beard. You men are like Chia Pets. Y'all remember what a Chia Pet is? Just put water on it. How many men were frozen up underneath a tree? Jonathan is like, this is not supposed to be it. This is not the reality for God's people. So we're going to set out and do something. And the young armor bearer said, I got you back. And they started walking to the enemy's camp. And they took back what the Lord stole. You know, I'm sorry. Come here. Follow me. (laughs) I'm trying to end this sermon. And they're just walking. And I'm sure at some point, I have a little bit of an imagination. I'm not trying to add to God's word. But if I'm the young armor bearer, you know, I might have some questions. Like, you sure about this? <laughs> like, and Jonathan's like, look, I tell you what. We want to flee to confirmation. If the enemy who can kill us says, come up close, that means we got him. <laughs> but if they say, stay here, we in trouble. So they start out again. And the armor bearer taps him on the shoulder. Are are you saying we have no weapon? They have one 14-inch sword, if you read the Bible. One 14-inch sword against the whole army. Are you saying if they say come up close, we got them? Don't you have that backwards? No, 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 no. Because you need to listen to this. Sometimes your confirmation is in your confrontation. Sometimes the confirmation doesn't come until you begin to move. You you say, well, show me the Bible on that. Well, how about come to the Red Sea? And when you step in and when you take a step and when you take a step and when you take a step, then the waters will part. 
How about the little teenage boy who just offered Jesus five loaves and two fishes? I don't know what you can do with this, but here it is. And that was the seed of the miracle. And it wouldn't have happened unless the little boy had given it to him. And what about David's slingshot and the stone? Are you with me? Sometimes the confirmation is in the confrontation when you actually begin to step out and move. You got that? Let's go, bearded one. <laughs> and again, I'm just exercising a little bit of imagination. Stick with me. I think the armor bearer kind of taps him on the shoulder again. Yes. <laughs> Can we stop here for the night? I'm tired. I don't have good cell phone signal. I have to do my daily wordle. What is up with that, by the way? And will you please stop putting it on Facebook? I'd rather see your kids than your wordle. (laughs) Sometimes I make myself laugh. (laughs) And the armor bearer taps him on the shoulder and says, Can we stop for the night? And listen, there's a tendency that I've noticed, and that is this. We break away from the tree and we say, at least we're not there anymore. We're not like the 600. We've broken away from the family tree. We're also not where we could be either. And a spirit of halfway causes people to stop right in the middle. Listen to me. Do not do that. He who has called you is faithful. God will finish every good work that he has started in your life. Being confident in this, he who began a good work is going to finish it. Don't you stop halfway. Let's go. Let's start moving. Come on, lumberjack. Sure enough, The enemy says, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they've been hiding in. (laughs) Been crawling out of the holes that they've been hiding in. Been crawling out of the holes that they've been hiding in. Should I say it one more time? (laughs) Crawling out of the holes that they've been hiding in. Churches that are going to grow, churches that are going to move, believers who are going to be disciples, listen to me. You must come out of the holes that you've been hiding in. If it's the hole of fear, it's time to come out. If it's the hole of depression, it's time to come out. If it's the hole of bitterness, it's time to come out. If it's the hole of unforgiveness, it's time to come out. If it's the hole of addiction, it's time to come out. One of the greatest compliments that the enemy can give you is, look, they're crawling out of the holes that they used to hide in. The devil's not intimidated when you're hiding in a hole. But when you make a decision to come out of the hole, that's when you become a real threat. Look, they're crawling out of the holes that they used to hide in. It reminds me, and I'm so glad it's you up here. It reminds me of when my kids were smaller. They just grow so fast, so quick. When I first had kids, the older people in the church, don't blink, it's going to go by faster. I'm like, whatever, I'm young. It's true. When my kids were little, we used to like to play hide and go seek. How many of you played hide and go seek with your... And I'll never forget, because they were always the ones hiding, and I'm always the one seeking. So they, they say, count, daddy, count. Okay, okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And this is what happens when they're young. Right? Now, follow me. When my kids were little, it really wasn't that they wanted to hide. In fact, I could hear them giggling. They would hide like behind the pulpit. Sit down. Hide. They'd get behind the lectern. Sorry, inside joke. They, and giggle, giggle. Uh-huh. 
terrible. <laughs> Giggle. <laughs> and they would giggle, really giggle. Because you know what I discovered as a young parent with my young kids? They wanted to be found. The joy wasn't in hiding. The joy was in being found. Why is it whenever we're young, we want to be found, but the older that we get, the more we want to hide? And I would say two things that maybe you've heard before. Two things whenever it was time for me to go find them, giggling, as I say one of two things. Ready or not, It might be a word for the church today. I still happen to believe that Jesus is coming back. I still happen to believe that this is not all there is. I still happen to believe in the hope of heaven. I still happen to believe that the voice of heaven is shouting unto the church, ready or not, here I come. And today would be a good day for the rapture. I don't know about you. All the young people in the house are like, please just let me get married first. <laughs> Today would be a good day for the rapture. Or I would say this. Come out, come out. It might be a word for the church. Come out, come out wherever you are. Listen, if you are not right with God, today is the day for you to get right with God. Come out, come out wherever you are. You say, I've backslidden. I'm not right. I've just come because my spouse makes me come. I, I'm not. Come out, come out wherever you are. The Lord is calling the prodigals home in this season. It's time for you to come to your senses and to make a decision to come back to Jesus. Come out, come out wherever you are. You say, I've been burned. I've been broken been abused. My daughter over the last two years has been just attacked emotionally in every way. It's part of what has helped to create the platform that we're creating for pastors and their families because I understand like never before the pressure that's on young people because of all the ingredients of the world and society is putting young people in holes. Listen to me, young people. Come out, come out wherever you are. Are you ready to get up? Because I'm ready for you to get up. <laughs> Need some help? Okay. <laughs> Give him a hand. <laughs> Worship team, come back. I didn't even wear a watch today. What time do we start service? 10, 11.09. That's not terrible. Here's the last one. People who move on a maybe, they're moved upon. They're moved upon. I saw a report just last night in the hotel room of basically the convergence of three major things that are happening right now. If you think about it, we're still on the heels of a pandemic. We've got the war in Ukraine, Russia, and all that that's happening that only seems to be escalating. And not only that, it costs like $12 a gallon at the gas pump. And there's the convergence of these three heavy things that are happening like never before. I mean, inflation is through the roof. We're feeling it in our pocketbooks and We've already had two years of a pandemic, and if you're not careful, we'll look and say, now this and this. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. I'm just trying to preach gospel truth, and that is, in the last days, church, these are the kind of things that are going to continue to happen on some level. They just seem to be converging and happening all at one time. 
Can I just go ahead and remind you that there is another convergence that can happen called the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of a local church. And what needs to happen in this day and time is people need to get back to church. The word of God needs to be preached and the power of the Holy Spirit needs to move. That we will say, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And that we are moved upon by the Holy Spirit in this day and time. That we might come out from the holes that we've been hiding in and say, wait just a moment. We are the church of Jesus Christ and God has not called us to that he's called us to move forward so more than ever I don't know where you're at I'm just telling you where I'm at I love to read and I love to research and church growth strategies and all the I forgot I'm supposed to dress more casual (laughs) like I'm overdressed (laughs) when I was an evangelist Twelve years ago, I preached at a church, and there was a sign on the pulpit that said, Dear Guest Evangelist, we only use the King James Version of the Bible here. If you do not have one, one will be provided for you. <laughs> used to have to wear the suit every Sunday. Times have changed. But God has not changed. And we need... Holy Spirit to breathe life again back into our churches back into our lives how many of you do believe that God is calling you out of holes and he's calling you out of that tree raise your hand if that's you right now you know who you are you know what the tree represents for your life you know what the hole is that you need to come out of let me just go ahead and tell you not by might nor by power but by the spirit of God he can breathe upon us in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Aren't you grateful that the Holy Spirit resets your personal rhythms? He is the Prince of Peace. That he keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are set on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. More than ever, church, the question is, where are your eyes? Your feelings will always follow your focus. Eyes on Jesus. Bow your heads just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you say it's time for me to break away from that family tree that's defining me and has defined my life or my family. Or if you say I know a hole that I tend to hide in and I need to come out of. I want you to raise your hand right now in honesty and humility before the Lord. Just raise it. Come out. Come out. Come on, raise it high. I believe today is a day of freedom. I believe that today is a day. One day must become today and right now. Say, I got a hole I've been hiding in. Young people, raise your hand if that's you. And it's time for you to come out. See, young people are just willing. They're, they've been transparent and authentic all week. Been so proud of these students going after God. Students, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pave the way. If your hand is raised and you know exactly the hole that you need to come out of, I'm going to ask that you would in front of everybody to stand and come to this altar and say, I'm ready to come out of that hole. You're not coming because everybody else is coming. You're coming because you know exactly what that hole is, and you're making a decision that you're going to come out of it. Look at these young people who are coming. Look at these young people who are coming. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Young armor bearers. Okay, how many of us, let's not call us older. Let's call us more seasoned. Say, I got a hole I know I need to come out of. Raise your hand right now. Come on. I don't know how we do altar calls anymore. How about that? Come on. Come on.
come out wherever you are. your heads bowed and your eyes shut if you're here this morning and you're not right with Jesus if you were to die today heaven forbid you don't know if you would go to heaven today is a day of salvation you simply just confess Jesus I need you you believe in your heart that God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sins and raise him to life three days later and the Bible says when you place your faith in what he has done versus in what you could ever do you could never save yourself that's why God sent Jesus. You would place your faith in Him as your Lord and as your Savior. If you're backslidden, you're not right with God, or you need to get saved today, I'm not going to embarrass you, but right there in your seat, I want you to lift a hand and say, today is the day of salvation. I'm going to count to three. Your hand's going to go straight up. One, two, three. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. Come on. I see it. I see it. All across this house, people are going to give their hearts to Jesus. Heaven's getting ready to rejoice. The Bible says angels rejoice over one who makes a return. I tell you what, I, I just sense the Lord right now. If you just raise your hand, I, I do believe. I'm not trying to embarrass you. You can get saved right there in your seat. But I do believe that sometimes we've just got to make a stand and say, you know what, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And so I'm going to count to three. If you just raised your hand just a moment ago to rededicate your life to the Lord or to get saved and you're serious about it, I want you to stand right where you're at. There's not going to be judgment in this house. There's going to be celebration. One, two, three. Stand up if you just raised your hand just a moment ago. So I'm rededicating my life to the Lord right here. Who else? Will everybody in the house pray this after me if you're supposed to be standing? Heads are going to bow right now, and you can stand. If you can't stand for him in here, I, I don't know that we can stand for Jesus in the world. So as we begin to pray, if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, you stand. Come on, church family, would you pray with those that raised a hand just a moment ago? Jesus, come on. Jesus, right now, I give my life to you. Everybody in the house repeating after me. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Jesus, I trust you for my salvation. tell you how we're going to end today I love what the young armor bearer said he says go ahead I am with you heart and soul I am with you heart and soul I'm with you heart and soul not to embarrass and this is really not my place but I, I do think on this Sunday your pastor and his wife and his family they just moved in and I do think that we need to gather around and pray. Is that okay? And I'm going to tell you the spirit by which I want us to pray are individuals who would say, go ahead, Pastor. I'm with you, heart and soul. Pastor, Miss Julie, your beautiful daughters, would you just come and stand right here? I haven't even made the call yet, but you know what we're doing. So if that's your heart to stand with and to serve then I want you to gather around right now we're just going to pray and we're going to pray and we're going to pray and we're going to pray I go back to six years ago and feeling that heaviness and that weight and I know that it's very real but Pastor and Miss Julian these three daughters I just declare over you the greatness of Jesus that's on the inside. I declare right now that there would be a supernatural strength that would come over you for this season. Young ladies, I know it's hard to leave behind their friends and 
or it's been so familiar to you as you've grown up, but I'm just saying over your life that God has you. He has you, not just mom and dad. He has you. He remembers you. He knows you by name. He knows what school and the friends that he has for you. He knows the provision that he's going to make for you. on church family would you just begin to cry out to God right now father in the name of Jesus Lord we just pray over this house and we pray God for what you're wanting to do in this season Lord I know that it's been a difficult transition that nobody saw coming but Lord we still believe that you're sovereign we still believe that you're good we still believe that Lord this church belongs to you it's not ours it's yours so Jesus, I just pray, God, in this season, Lord, a fresh anointing, God, to come upon this family. Lord, an anointing that is rich, an anointing that is deep. God, an anointing, Lord, that would literally... I just hear the Lord saying, I've seasoned you for this season. I've seasoned you for this season. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. God, I come against fear. I come against the enemy, Lord, who would try, God, to creep in. Father, we come against, Lord, every attack of the enemy and just declare that no weapon that is formed against them will prosper. Lord, I declare unity in this house. Come on, church, would you cry out for unity in this house? Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Lord, we declare unity. God, we come against the spirit of division. We come against misunderstanding. We come against, Lord. God, even a lack of trust. And Father, I just declare a new day. Lord, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that puts the ease within our hearts. Father, would just come. Pastor Scott and Julie would lead this church in a spirit of ease. heart bowed, would you just allow the Holy Spirit right now to just kind of erase the residue, so to speak? Would you just allow the Holy Spirit to come and just minister? With you, heart and soul. That means that you're going to serve. I'm with you, heart and soul. It means that you're going to lift your pastors up in prayer on a regular basis. I'm with you, heart and soul. That means that sometimes you're going to do some things that you just don't even want to do, but you're going to trust your pastor that he's heard from God. Go ahead, pastor. I'm with you, heart and soul. That means that you're going to step out from underneath that tree and you're not going to be a frozen church. That's not what God has called you to. same God. Can we sing that out? Church family just right here, can we just sing out again one more time before we close out? That He is the same God. If you want to continue to pray, you can continue to pray, but otherwise I just as an anthem over this house, just declare that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. His name is faithful and true.